No TV, come see me, I'm flexing in 3D, I'm big dog, peewee, jet ski, seaweed, I'm foreign, BB, no feelings, Kiki, you get it, hee hee, I'm from the CP, and welcome back to another episode of How You Live In. Bonjour, shalom, and what's up, and welcome to episode COVID-19, I mean episode 90. Episode 90, live in Greenwood, also atop the Chaz Tower, in the Million Dollar Studios, and in the JRE compound simultaneously. That's right, folks. We are social distancing ourselves as a pod. I know. Uh, And as always, uh, if you've listened to any of the other previous 89 episodes of this show, you know that it starts with a simple question for my friend Chaz, whom... For the first time ever, I'm not in the room with, but Chaz, I can still ask you, <laughs> how you living? You know what? All things considered, I'm all right, right? I mean, times are weird. I'm... And, and, and to everyone that might not know, we live in Seattle. So as far as COVID-19 goes, which obviously will be a topic, we'll talk about it, we'll do callbacks, we'll do all this stuff, but mm-hmm. COVID-19 is happening in the world. We're at the United States kind of epicenter of it. Oh, yeah. Like, very much so. So, uh, but yeah, answer the question. How how are you living in these uh, changing times, Chad? Well, so I've done my best to get everything I need food-wise to, like, make it to weather this quote-unquote storm. Um, I am one of the very blessed and lucky people to be able to work from home and not have any disruption in my work. Uh, right. So that's good. Um, I've been passing the time by having hangouts with friends over Google Hangouts and other things. Um, and other than that, I've just been thinking about how I can help out people, try to get the word out on things, see, uh, try to support local businesses through delivery. Like it, it's, I mean, it's going to be a rough ride for a lot of folks on this one. And I'm, I'm doing my best with it all. Like, I'm in pretty good spirits, all things considered. Um, and I'm trying to do the best I can for everyone while we get through this. Yeah, and uh, that's good. That's good to hear. Um, I'm doing the same, man. I've, uh, I I recently did go out to eat on Saturday. We were still allowed to uh, go to places, uh, restaurants and whatnot. Uh, I was sure to tip the wait staff uh, appropriately, knowing yeah. that. They might be uh, losing hours and or uh, business in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and other than that, you know, I'm kind of on the mission to limit the number of people that I'm in contact with to help the uh, curve appeal of curving the flatten that curve, y'all flatten, flatten the that curve. curve. Yeah. Which is um, kind of the new norms, you know, I mean. Uh, I, I've so far been asymptomatic. I haven't uh, uh been covid positive so that to me is is a win um i do work in healthcare, so i'm around um people and health professionals and you know we're we're out there we're in the front lines we're we're trying to um best serve our public you know people still get in accidents people still cut themselves and they got to come through emergency rooms and it's not all just covid related stuff so uh we still need to work and uh yeah, it's been interesting and, and definitely being here in Seattle and kind of being at the forefront of the whole United States response has been uh, an interesting experiment of life, I'd say. Um, people that I, I've just literally today was talking to this 70-year-old man and he was like, in all my seven years, I've never seen anything like this. Oh, yeah. I was so, commenting that um, my parents never went through anything like this and they were born in 1945. Right. Yeah. So this is basically unprecedented, except for a hundred years ago, if you consider the Spanish flu epidemic, which is from eight, 1918 to 1920. So almost exactly a hundred years ago. Yeah. Uh, was a similar international pandemic. It, it um, you know, uh, had a different kind of uh, geographical epicenter and whatnot, but. Uh, very similar in the in the disruption that it occurred. So, yeah. Otherwise, pretty unprecedented in in human history. Yeah. So, with that, folks. With that happy little uh, exciting uh, COVID opening, uh, we come 
to a segment that has been on the show since the second episode. Jim. It's a segment where we like to look back on episodes past and conversations we've had in a little segment we call Callbacks. Callbacks. Yeah. Um, and so um, before we go further into our COVID convos and whatnot, um, you know what's been on our minds the last few episodes, uh, for those of you staying with us, has been the Democratic nomination for president of these here United States. <laughs> so I feel that's a good place to start. A good place. I think uh, so, yeah. What, uh, so and let me just kind of give you a, a, a jumping off point and we'll see. I know how your brain ticks on these things. You probably got a few, uh, ideas, but let's just go to the old delegate count. Mm. And according to Google, if you put in Democrat delegate count, we have Joe Biden sitting at 1,121. And we have Bernie at 839. Good and that is according to the Google. Uh, estimating that for this uh, season, it will take 1991 delegates to win. 1,991 delegates will be needed to win the nomination. So Biden closing in. Bernie's still in the running. Everyone else has stepped down. What are your thoughts, Chaz? I mean, it really looks like that Biden is going to get the nomination at this point. And while I am, uh, it's a mixed bag, right? Like now that we're going through like COVID-19 and the the massive disruption it's going to have on a lot of people's lives, like, like as we can see when a primary set of people um, don't even work near their particular area, uh, secondary and tertiary businesses are going to feel the effects uh, more prominently. So right now, like, even though I'm not the biggest fan of Joe Biden, I will say a big ups to the moderate Democrats for coalescing on to one candidate and doing everything they can to have that tactical unity within their part of, uh, I guess, leftism in a way to say this is what they want. I'm still not the biggest fan of leftism, and I'm glad that Bernie's there, and I hope Bernie stays until the end to keep challenging um, Joe Biden on the things that I think he needs to get challenged on. But uh, now that we bring it up, uh, I don't know if you watched the um, d- debates any, but I haven't seen the the one on one yet. No, I need to I need to see that. So maybe give me some some points to to notice when I do watch. That. Yeah, I think my biggest comment I want to talk about is the tone. Right. And the tone of it is like Bernie was Bernie, but I never expect Bernie not to be Bernie. Um, And I like it when Bernie is Bernie. And I know that people don't like Bernie yelling and they find it to be something that they hold against him. And I'm in the camp where, like, you know, he's yelling at people for things that have been the same for a long time. Sign of the complacent things that we've done that people just kind of like live with because they think it's the way it is. Right. But. The, the interesting thing that I find it funny is that, like, Joe Biden sounded presidential, but I think he sounded presidential in that very cliched presidential way. And okay. but But that's not the, like, dog him or anything, because I think a lot of people will have responded to that. Like, well, Bernie's like, you know, we should have free health care, blah, blah, blah. Like, he's going to stick on the script. But, you know, Joe Biden came out there, right? Looked like the American flag was about to wave behind him. Like, you know, you have that... That old school uh, horns and stuff that you hear from background music and, uh, and different things, and he he just said like this is what we need to do for the American people. And like if I was if I was a person who like I know I was emotionally you know I guess kind of uplifted by that right, but it also in a way felt a little manipulative. Not not in like a bad way, but kind of like, yeah, I'm going to use my presidential voice. I know how to do the presidential voice. I know how to sound like the archetype that is presidential, given what America sees as presidential. And I want to use right. that to my advantage. So I think I don't know if that helped him in this like in this wave of elections that happened here on what March uh, 17th. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it definitely is putting him in a better light. And I definitely understand why the moderate Democrats uh coalesced around him as their candidate okay yeah and and i mean if you rewind this podcast obviously i was a a huge biden supporter in the very beginning um i actually was a biden supporter in 2012 um in my uh political science class when we were estimating who would be a a good nomination in 2016 um 
I didn't see the rise of Hillary in the sense like it, I knew she was going to be a player in it, but I didn't really see that she wanted it. I thought maybe the eight years she spent in the White House with Bill as the first lady might have turned her off from that actual position and that maybe she felt like uh, she was more useful in the Senate. Um, but then, you know, that she she made a good run and, and overshadowed uh, Biden and, and the other Democratic nom- uh, people for that position. So um I've always been a Biden guy in the sense that I like his no-nonsense approach to politics. I like that he, you know, rode the train, that whole blue-collar story. That being said, uh, when you take a closer look, when you take a magnifying glass to Biden, he doesn't necessarily pass the appropriate progressive Democratic sniff test, you know? He, um, he was, you know, he's definitely has footage of him being basically aggressively abusive to Anita Hill during the Clarence Thomas trials. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had some very unsightly comments about segregation and um, busing in and that whole kind of process. Um, and then, of course, he, you know, cozied up to guys like John McCain and things. So, you know, he, he could be looked at as a center-right kind of character who's wearing blue at times. And that's why he's been able to kind of win that Scranton kind of Pennsylvania um, nomination this whole time. Uh, you know, he, he's kind of like your uncle that you have at Christmas that you like. He's got good stories, but once in a while he gets a little in him and he gets into a topic that you're like, ah, we don't really talk like that anymore, Uncle Barry, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, but I think in this election, obviously, like you said, I think the moderate Democrats and I mean the Democratic Party as a whole, which, you know, as you've said, you're not a full Democrat. I became a Democrat in order to promote Obama, and I've basically just kind of sat there because Uh I'm not really entertained by the other options. Uh, I was a Green Party member for around 10 years, but... um, yeah, I it, it's turning me off the the process. I mean, if you go back to Wasserman Schultz in 2016, and now what they're doing to Bernie this time, um, you know, it's it, it's gamesmanship more than um, politics that might actually defeat the guy in office, um, which I think is the, the main goal. And on top of that, recognizing the progressive ideals of a party that's changing, you know. Um, yeah, changing of the guard. And I mean, it, it's very interesting because I do. I didn't realize I knew so many people who were like Democrat, like put a big D on my chest. Uh, this is a part of my, you know, personal identity. Democrats. Um, right. And I have even talked to friends who go like, oh, yeah, no, but we're really Democrats. I'm like, no, I might have voted democratically because um, as I saw, as I mentioned before, it's like death by a thousand paper cuts versus death by one cut. Death by a thousand paper cuts, at least it's a little better, right? But you right. don't want death by anything, really. So, and I think people, and I, I also think that people who are part of the Democratic establishment, at least in the engagements I've had with people that I barely know online, haven't done really a good job of trying to understand where I come from. They kind of just talk at me, like, well, look, the Democratic Party has actually moved this far to the left. You should like it. This is why you should vote for them when it comes to this, right? And I remember having a, a bit of a debate with a person that I think I mentioned in the last episode where it, it really does seem like it's leftist versus moderates. And I think something that striked me that kind of it was both touching and pissed me the fuck off, which is very interesting, um, <laughs> is I was listening to an episode of Today Explain. And Today Explain went to this really rich suburb of Virginia. And there was this one guy who had in a really cool story about how he met Joe Biden Right, and then went out drinking with Joe Biden, and then Joe Biden called his sons to be like, "I'm going out drinking. You driving me home tonight?" Right, and then a first, like some time later, he saw him again, and he remembered him, and he was all like, "That's the type of politician that he is." And I'm like, "Oh, that's cool." Right, and then they're like, "What if Bernie Sanders gets a um gets the nomination? Who will will you vote for him?" And he was all like, "Depends on who his running mate is." Like, and think this dude is like center left. lives in a million dollar mansion has money from being in politics and he's like 
No, I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, and 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 I mean, we've talked about that as well. You know, the Bernie no, the Biden no politics of the the modern Democratic campaign is is problematic, and it's problematic going against a force as Trump, which you know is weird to say that he's a force, but given the results in 2016 and the lack of kind of Democratic clarity. It's scary because, yeah, there's so many Bernie supporters who are like, we can't support Biden. He's too moderate. And then there's so many Biden supporters who are like, he's a communist, you know? Yeah. About Bernie. I mean, uh, <clears throat> I would hope, like, see, at this point in time, I'm, I'm way more like, I wanted to have the debates. I wanted to have, like, I really think, like, for me, I think the only reason why you don't support Bernie is, like, I've heard the, he goes too far left. And right. I don't really give a fuck about that because I always um, think about politics giving the Overton window. And within the Overton window, we are so far right. I understand where people come from from that observation. But I also think things are so fucked right now that if you don't go left enough, things are going to continue to be fucked. Right. Okay. And and that's where I'm at. I'm all like, I want to unfuck things. Right. And <laughs> I don't feel like you're going to unfuck things with the level of moderate compromise that we have in our politics today and that's going to be our first how you live in t-shirt right going to be a shirt that says i want to unfuck things <laughs> right and then a how you live in loco <laughs> right and and kind of like I, I really wanted to take like this segue of like what bernie and biden are as people where uh -huh. i think that like you know Biden gave the deep impact and kind of touching speech um, in that trail. But I think all of the fundamental <laughs> social programs that Bernie wanted, that if we had that infrastructure, we would have had a better like. And I think during the debate, they said it wouldn't have stopped it. Like nobody gives a fuck. Wait, sorry, I shouldn't say nobody gives a fuck if it wouldn't have stopped it. But it would have given us the infrastructure to be able to clearly see the problem in a way that we don't right now because right now there's a lot of people who probably have the virus that are asymptomatic but can still spread it around right right uh, and we are only and we're being very finicky with our testing right now because we just don't have a robust enough set of tests to do so yeah. And where uh, Trump really dropped the ball on this one is trying to underplay it like he always does. Like, like we've talked about this on where I try to say this week in fake news. But like this time, like Trump saying like, oh, it's no big deal. Oh, we don't need to do everything. And kind of like the small systematic bureaucratic cuts that he's done in terms of I'm cutting regulation. We're actually seeing the impact of that. Now, yeah. if I see what I see from Trump voters anecdotally, they don't give a rat's ass, right? They think totally. that they think what he's doing right now, which is the bare fucking minimum any president should have done in this situation, is enough for them to say, well, at least he's giving it to the experts. Like he gave it to the experts like five fucking weeks after he should have, right? Right. Right. And now he's gaslighting motherfuckers saying, like, I didn't say it wasn't serious. Like, no, no. Fuck out of here, Donald Trump. You know what you did. You know, people aren't taking this seriously enough. You know, you don't have a full picture of this. But because of your fucking pride and all this bullshit, you got to pretend like everything is going to be OK when it's not going to be OK. Right. Yeah. And, and the and sad thing. Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, and he's getting shown up by like Inslee. You know, Inslee's facing the, the worst kind of situation in America. And he's going full bore. You know, he's like, no, I know this is uncomfortable, but I'm canceling events. I'm canceling gatherings. I'm trying to give you guys the direction you need. You know, I'm not saying he's he had a perfect response either. But um, given the parameters that he's dealing with and how quickly it became known that the, the virus was having kind of a concentration in the King County area of the Seattle area, uh, you know, Inslee's been making some moves, you know, to and, try. And you and, have and, to. Yeah. You gotta flatten you know, the curve. Simultaneously, as Trump was kind of playing it down, Inslee was playing it up, you know, and saying, "This is a big deal. Uh, please, if you have the ability to to have your employees telecommute, have them telecommute." And and you know, um, uh, you know, I work in an ER. Uh, you know, uh, anecdotally, um, I'm seeing less cases come in this particular week than last week, but. Overall, as a healthcare in Seattle, um, we're seeing more cases identified, um, and the deaths now in the state of Washington is at, uh, I believe, 42 mm. as of today, um, out of somewhere around 800 cases 
total uh, that have been positively identified, not to mention the people that you are, uh, who are who you mentioned, who are walking around asymptomatic. So we don't really have the exact numbers of affected, um, but it is definitely hitting vulnerable populations more: the elderly, mm. uh, people with immune um, compromised uh, immune systems, and um, uh, respiratory ailments. So. Um, yeah, social distancing does work if you can avoid contact with those who are uh, COVID positive. Um, that's a reality. Um, there's also simultaneously while this is all happening, there's a, a, a kind of a bad version of the flu that's out there that has a lot of um, uh, parallel symptoms. So a lot of people are coming in with those. And, and being at least, it's kind of weird to have someone be diagnosed with the flu and have them go, whew, thank God, I just have the flu or pneumonia, regular pneumonia, not COVID, you know? Yeah. So, but, but they are feeling that way only because to a degree it, it's been less fatal, even though, you know, as a whole, the flu itself kills a lot more people and, and pneumonia kills a lot more people than COVID. Yeah. Um, but, you know. Uh, going forward in the future, we don't we don't know the the life cycle of, of COVID if this is going to be a, a progressive kind of annual thing or you know if we're just seeing a real pandemic and then we're going to be able to kind of get in front of it next time or if vaccines are going to be available or effective. I mean, it's all kind of um, too early to tell. So yeah, uh, yeah, and you know, different models say different things. You know, we could we could be seeing the the curve. Um, start to flatten as early as uh, the first few weeks of May. And, you know, some more kind of doomsday predictions say this could go all the way till September, and then you might just get a lightning up just before it revamps back in November. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's all kind of guesswork at this point. But, it is. I mean, yeah. and I think like right now, I mean, my very blunt thing would say stay your fucking ass home if you can right, right? like if you, can. if you can't right i mean one uh, you can okay based on you know um the cdc and everything like that the people who are wearing masks to not get sick it don't work that way right, right. that's not me saying it that's the cdc saying it right yeah. but if you are sick right wear a mask cuz that totally. that and then also um, if you have multiple masks, only wear it for four hours, um, yeah. because after four hours it loses its effectiveness. Right. And if that's, that's if you're wearing an N95, yeah. and if you're wearing just a standard surgical mask, it's actually between 30 and 45 minutes. That oh shit. It becomes, All right. It beca yeah. It becomes moisture permeable. Yeah. Is yeah. the problem. So by breathing in and out of it, you're wetting the fabric that's in front of your mouth. And so over time, there's no real barrier because the liquid will just pass the, the germs through um, uh, due to the permeability. So, yeah, no, it's and, and yeah, it's it's uh, it, yeah, basically don't need to wear a mask if you're not non symptomatic. And if you are symptomatic, please wear a mask is basically the best, you know, right. Uh, advice not to give advice on a show because we're just a podcast for comedy and, and a little bit of information. But uh, you know, do some research yourself. Um, you know, you'll you'll see those are those are pretty much the the evidence. It, they they talk about it as a droplet infection because of the uh, the the, the kind of wet molecules that are coming out of you through your sweat and your glands and your you know sneezing and coughing and all those different things. Those are what are going to spread, and so you get some prevention of that by having the the barrier directly in front of your mm -hmm. airways. Um, it's not going to stop stuff already in the air if you are not sick. So, yeah, it's <laughs> – but that's that, – I mean, that goes back to SARS, you know. I mean, that goes back to, you know, if you saw those photos during the SARS epidemic, everyone in Japan was wearing a mask, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is – you know, we're just not getting the knowledge through to people, and that's going back 10 years even, you know, with dealing with these type of events. So Yeah, no, um, for sure. With that, since we've already kind of spilled in, I guess that's official. We are in episode 90. Episode 90. Um, and, you know, the COVID-19 90th podcast, uh, first uh, split pod where we're in two different locations. I as know. I mentioned. 
and so what I mean, were, was was COVID the the topic for your mind for this? Since that's kind of what's on everyone's mind, or do you have any other uh, situations you wanted to bring up for the people? I mean, that- honestly, i I want to I want to use this podcast now to maybe document more things about what people are going through. Like we're supposed to be a guest podcast, and now that a lot of people are at home, and if they have the right setups, we can have them a lot more guests on. Because I really want to see like how this is affecting people from like all different stratas, all different political lenses. Yeah, all yeah. different things like that. Because like the show. Uh, I wanted all those years back, I wanted to call it how you live in because I wanted to know how people were living under the Trump presidency. I wanted to know right. how the status quo was going to change. I wanted to know like how people's day to day was going to change and and things like that. We, we but it's just been us two for a lot, but I feel like this is a really good chance to like dive into the human condition and how something that's highly disruptive to like everything. Like, right. But I think I also like I kind of wanted to use this. Maybe people won't like it as a love letter to Bernie's policies, but (laughs) but also as a love letter to what Andrew Yang was saying about UBI and actually more so about UBI, because like as much as I didn't like, well, I, I, I should say I liked Andrew Yang's policies and I liked what he brought to the table. I like that he was like freedom dividend UBI. Let's go. Um, and I liked the fact that he, he was really progressive in all those things. I didn't like that he was racially tone deaf in a lot of things that he said. And, and I think that there was a lot of bit holes. I didn't really care that he wasn't a politician or anything like that, but I never really thought he stood a chance to get the election because he had a, a very, uh, narrow, uh, constituency of those who liked him even more narrow than Bernie. He had the best motto, though, you know, Yang Gang. Yang Gang, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. He, he was with the times. He he definitely knew how to use the internet to be the most effective politician out yeah. of anybody that I've seen. Well, so, and, and he's a good he's a good point because uh, looking at the news today on on Trump talking about a COVID um, stimulus package of possibly giving Americans a thousand dollars. Did you see that? I did see that. And now I and, see other people countering it with other things like maybe it should be $5,000. Maybe it should be $2,000. Yeah. Right. So so do you think, I mean, do you think this would have came up? Is it interest, Is $1,000 interesting because we've done so much research into that in the UBI discussion that Yang kind of championed? Like, I, I feel like to some degree, Yang should, I mean, he doesn't have to, but he gets some of the credit Oh no! He totally gets some of the credit being involved because it got the conversation going about well, if you're willing to bail out banks, if you're willing to bail out auto manufacturers, why aren't you willing to help the American people who are the ones who are most likely to spend their money in a diverse way? That's going to spread across different sectors. That's going to make an impact directly. And now President Trump, you know, you know, enemy of the people of this pod. Uh, somehow <laughs> has come around to that. Now I also see it as uh, it's almost it's it's it's. Remember when Bush gave everyone a uh, two hundred and fifty dollars on their taxes? Because now that's twenty years ago. So in oh. today's money, that's close to a thousand dollars. You know um, mm-hmm. that that was a big deal in his re-election kind of style. Is this a little bit of President Trump ploy? Um, placating the American people into thinking he's a good guy by cutting us all a check. I mean, uh, if it is, fuck all that. But like, because I think it's actually a practical and pragmatic thing to do, and it will help people be effective. Because uh-huh. basically, th- what I wanted to bring up is that my I one I wanted UBI. Two, I didn't like Yang's UBI plan because it dealt with a VAT tax. And mm-hmm. and basically that was just another regressive tax or yeah aggressive regressive style tax. Um, and then I also don't think his UBI would be funded in this type of economic downturn if it would be a UBI of that sort. So I wanted UBI. I just wanted it to be funded differently. Um, right. But in this in this particular instance, I think what this is showing us is the reason why UBL UBI is a hard sell now. But why it wouldn't have been a harder sell maybe in like 10 years. Because as he was saying, like, you know, the truckers aren't going to have anything going on. Like, and then the people right. 
who um, rely on them. So that whole, like, you have a primary person that makes money one way, and then they spend their money in these other places. And we're seeing that in Seattle. Like, with all the big tech companies doing telework and being able to be fine, but all the work of them going to get lunches around the office, dead. Right? All the people who are going to take them to the airport for business trips, dead. Right? It's, it is it is that type of shell shock that automation will likely bring that we can see like basically a hyper accelerated impact of that right now and that's why i think ubi is being seen as something that should be championed in this times and yeah and and obviously this thousand dollar check isn't a direct uh like replacement of ubi because it is a one and done cut you a check this is to help you get through some things whereas ubi was a monthly installment Mm -hmm. um but yeah it is interesting and um yeah it's uh and 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 i i do agree also with the ubi in the sense that i do think the the money getting to the american people is uh the the best way especially if you're willing to bail out banks and and car manufacturers and all these other entities that aren't actually people and even though they do trickle down employment to people and to a degree, you know, help run the economy, yeah, they're not they're not the same thing as individual families and and giving people the structure and strength to to kind of make more creative decisions that can, you know, evolve into to to meeting the demands of of the future economy. You know, I mean, right now in the kind of millennial zillennial employment verse. You know, you're seeing the rise of the gig economy, mm-hmm. you know, and and people are holding down two or three or four jobs in, you know, different ways. They're driving Lyft. They're delivering groceries. They're picking up odds and ends for people. They're walking mm-hmm. dogs, you know, and and that's in response to the structure of the the old school manufacturing go into work job not being there as much anymore being you know shipped overseas but also people wanting more control of their time and not wanting to just say okay i want the next five days 40 hours of my life given to this company they're like no what if i worked 20 hours in two days and then took two days off and then worked 20 hours what would that be like you know um so it's it's i think i think technically the ubi and the and the yang gang kind of way of 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 putting it is is like you're saying less abrasive in 10 years because it's actually where we're going because as a country we're not going to be so centrally employed uh the job that i do now registering patients is going to be done by a kiosk in five years maybe you know Uh uh the job of um you know, testing games could be done by a robot, perhaps, you know? Yeah, I mean, there, there's some things, there's already automation in testing right now, and there's already machine learning that is being built. So, like, that sort of thing, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, like, and, there's and, still going to be human touches for some things, but it's not going to be as extensive as it is now. Right, right. You won't have teams of 100. You might just have four or five guys going through the models that are presented to them by the AI saying, Hey, we found these. Is this accurate? You know, human person, pretty much, you know? Um, and so as we go into that world, the framework, you know, and the desire of, uh, uh mankind, person kind to have a purpose is, is what kind of is the key. You know, we feel the need to, to be, to be useful. And also on top of that, we have the necessity of needing, finances to have money to have the ability to pay for things and so i think ubi can kind of bridge the gap between people being more creative in their endeavors for employment but also help meeting the needs of uh just being a human you know needing something over your head needing to get food needing to um you know survive so we'll see going forward you know i I do think covid um, presents an interesting parameter for us to kind of look into our future as far as <clears throat> pandemic being in the, the pantheon of hurricane response and tornado response, and California wildfires, and, and, and how these types of things are becoming more destructive. They're actually, the costs of them and, and the lack of preparedness for them enabling those costs to skyrocket. What can we do? 
you know, looking forward, what, what, what are we doing wrong as society that's making these situations like, how is it okay and able for people, certain people to go hoard a bunch of supplies needed for a community, you know? Well, freedom of market. Free market system, yeah. Right. But then is that wrong at a point in the situation as is? Does it put the, the, the population at risk if the valuable products aren't available to the people that may actually need them? And so by these other entities or these people or these entrepreneurial-esque endeavors of hoarding and trying to kind of make a buck maybe – are they preventing this pandemic from actually being, you know, curtailed sooner? Um, to some degree. To some degree, yeah. And especially since uh, a vulnerable population of the country, one that that doesn't seek healthcare all the time, is the very poorest, as well as homeless and you know, kind of the unidentified. You know, the people that kind of go between the cracks, the ones that aren't counted by the census. Um, you know, they're still walking around with colds, with flus, with COVID-19. So, you know, it's, it's interesting to have this at this era of like, you know, total, uh, internet dominance. Everyone's on the internet. Everyone has a smartphone. And yet something like this can just come through and like, you know, crush our, our sense of, uh, safety and, and, and reliability of the systems that that we've come to you know live by i mean it is showing the cracks like it it, you most people would just call it quote-unquote capitalism um but like really what it's saying is like when you have um a market system where all goods and services can be paid for through capital and some people have too much capital and some people have not enough capital what's going to happen Right. And and then there's a lot of things about like our systems that we need. Like, you know, people say that um, health is a public issue and this is what we're seeing right now. So, like, I think there's still a lot of bootstrap, have a lot of pride. I worked for my shit. What the fuck, man? Sort of thing going on. And that is going to have people say what they got to say about this. But. And, of course, because I have my leftist bias here, I'm going to say, like, yeah, no, this should be a prime example of why we should not see social programs through a lens of pride, but see social programs through a lens of effectiveness and practicality. Because right now, like, I think our president is being ineffective because he's always ineffective but he's not, he's not a type of president that wants to be effective he just wants to be a type of president that kowtows to his uh constituency and does so in that vein and and so like i look at all this and i hope that there's a stimulus package that goes directly to the people because honestly like it's one of those things like like putting on the recovering capitalist hat if not enough people are spending money because like i've said before money is just a circle jerk of funds that are going around and around and now right. we've seen that a lot of people are getting blue balls and you know what happens when dudes get blue balls right <laughs> so give them some money so the world can get their nut off that's all i'm trying to say <laughs> <laughs> that's that's our second t-shirt that's, that's t-shirt number two go to the merch store guys uh com slash merch it doesn't exist now but maybe by the time you hear this on the podcast in three years when we've solved covid right uh, uh it, it'll be available um that's also funny to think in podcasting like we put these out and we're we say so contemporary but like we have shows now that are three years old you know so I it's know. like it's crazy easily someone could be listening to this in 2025 and be like man they were freaking about covid19 they didn't even expect COVID twenty one. That killed four million people. Oh, like, not oh, all you want to think about that. Yeah. No. Nah. And then, or, or I'll just turn it on its head and say, like, no, we just start using stem cells in twenty twenty one, and everyone becomes stronger, and we don't get sick ever. And we go to Mars, and Elon Musk was right, and he takes a dump on Mars, and it's his happiest moment ever. <laughs> uh, happy, and and we celebrate it for we call it Dump Day, and it's the day Elon Musk took the first dump on Mars. Oh my God! Uh, peace be with to our hero Elon Musk. Uh, so yeah, um, I don't have any fun topic right now because it is trying times, guys. So you know, I would just say. 
you know, at a safe distance with your loved ones. Uh, put on your 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 favorite, binge watch your favorite TV shows. Uh, you know, check out that new uh, F1 series second season on uh, on uh, on Netflix. What is that show called again? Uh, oh, um, Formula yes. One Drive to Survive or something. Drive to Survive. That's fun. Put on put on your guys' favorite binge worthy show or movie. You know, get in at a safe distance once again. Get into your comfiest uh, pajamas and just uh, enjoy something. You know, on your own. Uh, you know, eat some some uh, good uh, uh, stable foods that you can uh, keep for long periods of time in case you're quarantined. And 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 try your best to enjoy yourself. Watch a, a replay of, of of one of the the most exciting games of a sport you love. You know, like back when. Remember when we had professional sports people? <laughs> if it feels like just a month ago, we had the old ball bouncing around on the court, going into the hoop. You know, we were we were crying over Kobe on the on the court. You know, and now <laughs> now we're not even on the courts. So right, you know, watch watch some clips of your uh, your favorite sporting events. Uh, you know, I, I can watch uh, the, the the Brady Johnson pitching against the New York Yankees in the 1995 refuse to lose era Mariners games. Uh, I can watch the Russell Wilson trouncing over the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl. Uh, so uh, you know, find whatever it is that you like. Uh, get a little joy in your heart. Uh, you know, and uh, and 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 stay a safe distance away from all of your fellow. Americans, humans, wherever you may be, uh, that's that's my uh, interruption topic today because it's it's hard to interrupt the world, uh, you know. And uh, uh, speaking on that, a friend of mine posted the other day, and he was like, "I'm curious what's actually also going on in the world right now because it is hard to get through." Because like, you know, we were negotiating with the Taliban before all this happened. Like, yeah. is that still happening? You know, like what's going on in Syria? Like, you know, the rebels were on the run because they were fighting a war on two fronts with the Turkish forces coming in and, and Russian supporting uh, Assad forces. You know, what's the reality on the ground there? Um, you know, there was the labor crisis in France. Like, like, uh, you know. Uh, the prime minister of Canada was wearing brown face when he was a kid. You know, what's really still going on in the world, you know, that, that we can't see because of COVID, uh, you know, I, this distraction of these type events is, is scary in a way because it can allow um, dictators or, or, or kind of leaders with their thumb on their people to kind of get some stuff under the wire that we don't notice. Oh, yeah. You know? Utah just passed an abortion thing. I don't know the specifics. I got to look into it. But, yeah, um, I've known people who share your same sentiment that people are going to use the smokescreen of this health crisis to do some very pernicious and very dastardly and very diabolical things. Yeah. And and for the most part, we'll get away with it. I mean, yeah, maybe with the guise of history – and looking back on it or seeing something in a lens, you know, we'll know. Um, but obviously there's just not enough supplies and people and safety of, of being around people to, to deal with those things. So um, I'm curious and, 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 you know, I hope um, we can curve this uh, pandemic sooner than later so that we can get back to, um, keeping an eye on the, the areas of this world that need uh, the most support, you know, and um, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot at stake in, in this era right now, you know, um, there's some fundamental changes that are going to happen and swings of power that are going to happen. You know, uh, America has been kind of the, the top dog of economics and, and military might and influence in the world for, you know, almost a century. And, um, you know, that could begin to change and it might sway very far east, you know, with the the rise of China and India. And, um, you know, what does that mean in economics of a, of a future world? And with the types of leaders that they have, you know, with, you know, Modi in India and um, Ping in China, what does that mean for the world to have um, 
those type leaders at the helms of what could eventually become the the largest economies and in, in influence in the world. Um, and then kind of that at the same time as the the economy that we knew as the European Union, as it starts to kind of degrade with, you know, it started with Brexit, but Brexit might not be the, the final say in that whole matter. Um, what does Western Europe look like in 10 years? You know, uh, are they separate economies? Is there still a, a strong base of European unionism? Does, does England, aka the United Kingdom, come back? So um, it's, it's interesting, you know, and, and who's going to win American Idol? You know, I mean, there are so <laughs> many things that, you know, are still at stake and we can't we can't ignore them just because we're a little sick and six feet away from our loved ones. So, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, no, I feel you. There's a lot of things like socioeconomic things, um, political, uh, oh, I don't know the right word for it, but just like, you know, national uh, policy and international policy and all that stuff that is going it's gonna, to it's change, it's gonna change the landscape of the world. This right here is going to change the landscape of the world, and it's going to be very interesting to see what phoenix rises from these ashes because, yeah, like... Exactly, but but yeah. I do I do got some people that I want to talk to directly. Not people, people, but one right. Everyone out there, the people whose asses you need to be on is your elected officials, right? And I I'm gonna talk to my moderates real quick. Not not my moderate people. I love y'all. Survive. Uh, I'm talking about my moderate elected officials. Now, I know I love my main man, Bernie, right? But like I told you before, I love my main man, Bernie, because he goes far to the left. Y'all motherfuckers, because we know you're going to compromise, and you know I'm just going to think your compromise is capitulation. But when it comes to all of these COVID-19 thing bills, you better go so far to the left. They're going to be like, what? No, do it. All of y'all, right? I love y'all. Like, you win the fight. All 46 of you motherfuckers, right? Make sure you go as far left as possible. So when they're like, no, I don't think we can have that, you go, well, then we're going to need to compromise that for that. Like, when it comes to the student loans, put it in that bitch. When it comes to $2,000 a month until this is over, put it in that bitch. When it comes to a moratorium on rent, put it in that bitch. When it comes to a moratorium on mortgages, put it in that bitch, right? Like, you know, do things that are going to actually affect people's lives in a way where the people were the most vulnerable. Like, to bring up what my main man, Andrew Yang, said, when you have 30% of people who work in the retail space and they're not going to make any money, ain't nobody going out to the stores to buy shit right they ain't gonna make money if you buy shit off of amazon fuck all that no you better do whatever the fuck you can in that bill to make sure that they get their shit straight right because you don't want yeah. more people to be homeless you don't want more people to be not be able to take care of their children you don't want people to go fucking hungry right so get your head out of your ass and you better go far as left you can because in this is the time where it needs to be done all right and and Let's i don't chat. Ta you're taping down the blinker and it's going left and it's just making that noise the whole time they better get in that turn lane right <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh, like because and i mean this in a very practical and pragmatic and effective way i'm not trying to do this because i'm ideologue i'm trying to say that right now if you do jack shit people's lives are going to be fucked up and you're going to be like what happened to the economy right and we're not talking about you motherfuckers that are like the stocks and the gdp nobody gives a fuck about that right now right, right. no one gives a fuck about your goddamn gdp if someone can't buy groceries right now because if nobody ain't going to their damn store if I can't get TP, I don't care about your GDP. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. So, elected officials, do what you got to do to save the American people, all right? In this time, hey. right? That's that's where I'm at, right? Now, I got to talk to my motherfuckers who got it like that, right? I know you're working from home. I know you don't like working from home. Maybe you're having a hard time working from home. That's okay. Get out of your system. Figure out what you got to do to be, make yourself effective. But right now, you're making money where a lot of people aren't making money. So you know what you can do? You can use your goddamn privilege and help a motherfucker out, right? Yo, get delivery if you need. 
need to. Make sure you can give to your local food bank. Go and talk to your friends who knows who actually needs help. You know somebody's going to do a live stream thing? Donate to that shit, right? You ain't going nowhere anytime soon, right? So make sure that even though, make sure you got your house in order. You know, you can't pour from an empty cup, but if you got your house, if you got your house in order and your cup is overflowing, you better give someone a fucking sip or I'm going to call your ass stingy. Anyway. Um, you don't want chats calling your ass stingy. Right. Like, so, so that's what I got to say. And to my people who are impacted in this way, who are unsure what's going on, let us know how we can help you. Let us know how we can signal boost what is affecting you. What is the real life that's going on? We want to know literally how you're living in the uh, age of Trump and COVID-19. Because we want to know terrible. about practical and effective ways to help you out. We know there are people out here hurting. You know, people like me, you know, who got it like that can help out. We're going to do the best we can. So, so because together we get through this because this shit ain't about no individualism as bullshit. And don't know a motherfucking all you hoarders out there like, no, I got mine. Fuck you. You mean that literally now, all right? No, we all in this together, like I said before, and we're more in this together more so than ever. So get on the interdependence thing. Work on yourself if you got to in order you know how to get up into the interdependence thing. If we all work together, we'll come out of this as a low as unscathed as we can but if you all about the selfish bullshit no we're not so that's my message to y'all out here right i know chaz. it's a little bit more passionate than it usually is but you know chaz 2028 chaz for president <laughs> 2028 he's got yang as his running mate already the chaz yang gang they're putting out a rap video too in uh, 2027 <laughs> so y'all know what's happening Fucking T.I. is going to be on that song. Oh, uh, shit. You don't J. know about me. Former President Barack Obama is going to have the opening lyrics of that song. Uh, you got to listen to my man, Chess. Uh, he's about <laughs> to drop the beat. Uh, and me and Michelle think he's got good things to say. And let's let it go, fellas. And then it's just going to hit. And, you know, GCJ is going to be like, one more thing. <laughs> All we need is one more thing. And it's Chess. Yeah. 2028, guys. Drop that mixtape. I will it's drop called, that mixtape. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, as always, folks, uh, we hear a chat how you live and want to hear from you, and we can hear from you if you send us an email at hylbox at gmail.com. That's the email box for the show. That's hylbox at gmail.com. You can get at me on the Twitter sphere at C Town Mayor. That's S E A T O W N M A Y O R, because I'm helping your municipality by the coast. Chaz, how can the folks out there get at you? Of course, yeah. You know, make sure you get up that you hit up that HYL box. If you want to be on the show, let a brother know. If you need something that needs to be signal boosted in these times, let a brother know. If you want to catch me on the Instagrams, I might be doing stuff on there. I don't know. Um, but that's uh Chaz Daz Baz at one Z in the Chaz, two Z's in the Baz. Of course, I'm on the TikToks as two as Chaz underscore Baz. So, you know, do that thing. Um, but yeah. Like, stay safe, stay healthy, and as we all keep saying, wash your damn hands, because y'all niggas nasty. Yeah, wash your hands, wear a mask if you got uh, symptoms, uh, uh, help your friends out. If you can help the elderly out, go get some uh, uh, groceries for them and whatnot if it's hard for them to give out in this uh, quarantine time. Uh, as always, Chaz, this has been real fun. Sorry I couldn't be in the room with you, man. I mean, it's the sign of the times, but, you know, we still got to give something to the people. So, you know, thank you for taking some time out of your life to do this. And, you know, uh, stay safe and stay healthy, my dude. Anytime, anytime, and we out, folks. Peace. When it ain't that bad, it could always be worse. I'm running out of gas, hardly anything left. Hope I make it home from work. Well, so tired.